Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into Pastor John's sermons from the Sunday before. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and joined with me, as always, is Dr. John Hall. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for giving us a bit of your time. Yes, and today we're going over Sunday's sermon, which was, When the Wicked Prosper, which we went into one verse, Job chapter 23, verse 1, but went through multiple verses as well throughout, so Job chapter 23, verse 1 through 24, and uh, it was a great message, and uh, before we get started, though... What are your some what is what are your first thoughts as you prepared this message? Oh boy, you know I I prepared this message previously. I actually have preached this message to the church a while back, I think in 2018. So it was a matter of getting it back in my my heart and mind again. And one thing that does strike me about the scripture is its applicability and its relevance mm. for the times. So it makes it such an incredible book. Uh, you see the inspiration of Scripture. It's so timeless in that regard. So that was part of it, just looking at it again, like, wow, this really speaks to the day we live in. Absolutely. And the times that we face personally, our, our country, the world, the church. So I think those were some of the thoughts that were floating around um, and before someone says, what? You preach the same sermon? Yes, we sing the same songs. It's hey, <laughs> true. Yeah, we don't just sing the holy, holy, holy once and be done with it. Hmm. So I think I don't make a habit of it, but it sure. made some sense. Um, bridging the gap between the conclusion of Luke and the launching of a new series, I'll start on the 17th to do some standalone messages. And so this was... Um, what was burning on my heart to put before the church. and thats I suppose that was what was on my mind. It was good, and it I think it was very timely for the church as a whole, and I've heard many people say the same, and, and so God definitely worked through through the message. And, and you did really, and I say this a lot, but I mean it every time I say it, but you did such a great job once again to bring everything into picturing it back to Christ, mm-hmm. and you do a really good job of that. Thank you. Bringing it back, and you started out with giving us kind of the emphasis of Job from um, the beginning of Job to where we were in chapter 23 and how the everything that was taken away from Job and then the conversations in between, if that's what you want to call them, the and the speech, third cycle of speeches, as, as you said. And through, throughout the introduction, you tell us that there's so many questions that we have, even of why, as the title of the message, why do the wicked prosper? Why you, we don't have to look far for certain things that you labeled out. Um, if you want to know, you can go look at the message or listen to the message. But your main point in the introduction was was to point the listener to the fact that why does answering the question why does the why do the wicked prosper? Why do we see these things as being a quote-unquote good person, yet we see the, the ones who aren't necessarily good people 
prosper and they get more than maybe what we get. And so you did that and, and you gave us kind of three thoughts or three ideas in these questions in which Job asked, which the first was if Job could find God, what would he do? And you use verse three to really kind of nail in um, this question of what would he do? And you even say that it's one thing that you want to find God when you're going through some tough times, um, when you're, but it's also when you're, when you're lonely and, and you're wanting to know where God is. Um, and then you ask the question, but what if you found God? Mm-hmm. What would you do? Right. And, and in that, you go on in verse 4, 5, and 6 and talking about what Job says that what he would do if, if he <laughs> had an interaction with God. And um, it's interesting that in that interaction, you identify in verse 13, 14, and 15 that the rebellious, the murderer, and the adulterer, which I say it's interesting just because I think we all do that, is we would look at those the worst things of, why are these people, I, I don't get it. And so my question is, why as humans do we often think we have a leg to stand on with God? Maybe another qu- way to say that is, even the fact that we have the right to ask him these questions. Yeah, I love the question. And I love the story of Job, uh, at least a lot of parts of it. Some of it, some of what the Job narrative, I, uh, you know, it has a lot of yuck factor to it. But I, I think my answer to the question you're posing is consistent with where my mind and heart have been since I went on sabbatical and returned. And it's the answer is I think that ultimately our view of God is just too low. We think we have the right to demand answers from God. And we forget, like I said at the end of the message, and I said, people write this down, here's the wisdom of the ages. He is God, and we are not, and we forget this. I forget it. All of us forget it, probably more often than we ever should. Right. And so we, we bring God down to such a level that we think we have the right to demand answers, and he should give them to us when we want them. He just doesn't operate like that. Mm. And when God, later in the book, finally answers Job, Job's response was, I'm so sorry. I'm way out of line here. Forgive me. I, who am I? The humility. He was brought to his knees big time when God finally said, you know, hey, where were you when I founded everything? Are you the one that tells the bear how to take care of her cubs. I mean, it's just extraordinary, this grandiose view we get of God. So I think that's part of it. And then the other part, too, is we do not trust him in all things. We just tend to cry out and demand answers from him in what I call, you know, quote-unquote, the catastrophic moments Mm -hmm. of our lives, loss of a job, uh, a terrible diagnosis health-wise, wayward child goodness your house burns down I mean fill in the blank for what would be catastrophic to you and it's then that we 
get serious about God and his place in our lives as opposed to when things were rocking along pretty smooth, we hadn't had any problems, getting along, making money, you know, everybody's great. We just kind of put God in time out or parentheses in our lives until, wow, we get the breath knocked out of us. And then all of a sudden, you know, we want God around and we want answers. And it's just, I just can't find anywhere in the scripture that he operates like that. Mm. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's, he's the God of the universe, man. Yeah. And I think I need to remember, all of us need to remember who it is that we are, we're approaching. But I, I, I can't fault Job for wanting that. I felt these things in my own life. I want an audience with him. I want my day in court. Yeah. I, I want him to answer me. Mm. <laughs> Not even realizing what I'm what I'm asking here. Yeah. What, even just it rolling off my mouth, my tongue. So I think that's just Job was at such an awful spot after all of this that happened. And he to this point and even beyond, he'd never cursed God. Not one time, even his wife was saying, curse God and die and get this over with. So I think she agonizes his own agony. He wouldn't do it. Are we to take only the good from God and not the bad? He said, I mean, it's an incredible response. Even God said of Job, he was a blameless man. Yeah. So you, you're, pretty, you're pretty blameless if God can say that about yeah. you. So I think that's part of it. Um, that's good. And I, you asked that question to 10 different people. The answer would probably be 10 variations. But from my point of view, I just think we have this view of God that he's like us. Yeah. Yeah. You hit the nail right on the head. Because <laughs> I think you think of if you go in the beginning of Job, you just, you just said it that, you know, this, uh, Satan comes, comes to him. To God and says, you know, and God says, hey, here's, have you thought of my servant Job? He's a blameless man. Yeah, God initiated it. I mean, Satan's like, I'm bored. Yeah. And it, it's just incredible yeah. to see. It, it makes me, I guess, see Job in a way that, you know, he, everything's taken away from him. We see that he's an upright man, but at the end of the day, he's human. And we see his humanness, I guess, for lack of better words, come out in this cycle of being like, God, I think we all have been there. God, where, what the heck is going on? You even, he didn't know this at the time probably that all this was going on, but you even call me an upright man, a righteous man, and yet where are you? Where? Yeah. And to me, and then we see later in the stories, you've already said that he's come to this place where he's like, who am I? Mm. And I, I just, I love that cycle of, I think, a human, the, the true humanness of, of us, this, the fallen world that we live in, mm. that we get in this, uh, cycle sometimes where we think we have any leg to stand on before God. Yeah. And you made such a, and we'll get to it a little more, but you made such a really good point throughout your message to say we're, we're nobody. Mm -hmm. the, the fact that we even get to be in the presence of God is, is a miracle in its own. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it was just a great reminder that Job was a human just like any of us. Yeah. And it's a great story for us to realize that and kind of goes into the second point that we can trust God yeah. and that he is greater than anything we're going through. Right. Um, and so it's a perfect transition as as you then um, had the second question of where's God? And you looked in verses 8 and 9 and um, in chapter 23. And I think it's important to read it, so I'm going to 
to read it where Job says, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. And you asked a question I think resonated with everybody's. Have you ever felt this way? Because I think we all have felt that way, right. if we're being honest. And, um, and you then go further into the passages um, where he says, No, I can't find God, and I can't sense his presence looking forward or backward, but I resolve to obey his word and trust his purposes for the test. That's incredible to me. The fact that you can be at that point in life and say, No, I'm going to trust him no matter what goes um, goes on. And so with that, and you even said that this is one of the greatest lessons of the book, that trust God even when you can't understand why things, heartaches, enters um, our life. And so my question to you is, would you share maybe a time when you have had to come to a place of trust in God? And maybe how did you walk through that? Yeah, I can. Um, this is my fourth church to pastor. I've served in two other churches where I was a staff member. This is my fourth pastorate. So it's not Field Street, but one of the churches I served, when I went there, uh, I did not realize how sick and dysfunctional the church was. And in my early months, in year and a half, two years, it was very difficult. And... I had days where I thought, what have I done? I made a terrible mistake in coming here. And we didn't have our first daughter yet. We didn't have Maylee. We were, we were in the process of adopting her. I'm like, I'm, I'm about to bring a child to our home, which we were so excited about. And so having said all that, I was utterly powerless to change the circumstance that I was in. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that got me through the first 18 months to two years in that setting was my confidence in God's call to that church. And I I had some, a few people who were really willing to put their necks on the line to support me as their pastor. And I just... Really, all I had was prayer, and Lord, you brought me here. What? I I can't believe it's this hard, and why did you bring me here, and what is it I'm supposed to learn, and how will I ever get through this, and will I ever be the same? And, you know, know, it was just a lot. And so I I saw firsthand in in that scenario, and there's others, too, that all of us experience that, that kind of uh, turbocharge our trust in God. You know, either I'm going to trust him, he brought me here, I have no doubt about that. And I really hung my hat on that. I, I knew that he called me there. And he'd already affirmed that very clearly prior, months prior to that. But uh, So when, man, I was going through the stink, as I like to call it, and it was, man, I was uh, trodden through the fire. Very difficult um, I saw his his faithfulness, and so I think sometimes there really is simply nothing you can do but make a choice to trust God, mm-hmm. even in an undesired outcome. And so I think 
And, and God sometimes puts us in that crucible where he's doing something in us that he's later going to use down the road. Because God doesn't waste anything in our lives. And none of us would choose these crucibles for any. <laughs> for, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go to that church thinking, man, I, I want to be put through the grinder. None of us think that way. Um, but then hindsight's always twenty twenty. You get through it and you look back on it and go, okay, I see what he was doing. And, and not in every respect, but in some respects, he, he allows, I think, a glimpse or two of this was kind of why I was doing this because I I'm, I was moving you in this direction or that right. direction. Um, so I, I think without getting into the, you know, the nobody really wants to hear all the weeds about it, but I think that was um, a time in my life where God allowed, permitted, even ordained mm-hmm. a difficulty, an extended difficulty that had a lot of different layers to it. For both for the church I served and for for my own growth, yeah. but it wasn't easy, and I wouldn't choose it. <laughs> we all want an easy path, man. <laughs> and what I've discovered is if you're if you're going to follow God, and whether you're a plumber, or ditch digger, mechanic, trash collector, doctor, whatever, if you're serious about God, there are no easy paths. Amen. Yeah. Isn't that good news? <laughs> yeah. I just hear people going, click, come out. <laughs> <laughs> but what makes it, but really what makes it good news is, you know, even in your story, and we see in Job, if you keep reading, that he came to a place of humility, mm-hmm. of knowing who God is, having a high view of God. How could you not go through that and not have a higher view of God? Especially I, what he went through. Uh, particularly mm-hmm. what he went through. It was catastrophic. Yeah. I mean, I... The story within verses of chapter one, mm-hmm. he loses everything that matters. And when he lost his kids, in your home, all of, you know, none of us want to go through that, the inconvenience of it, the loss of it. Man, that's not good. But then you lose like your whole family because they were all together, you know. And wow, that, that's a gut punch of all gut punches. Yeah. So yeah, um, how and 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 Job's like, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, Lord takes away. That's good. That Job is, Job is in a class by himself. For sure. Yeah, it's wild, and this is where it leads to the last question, which we talked about, which is who is he? And it again plays along with everything we've already talked about of. Um, you know, you, you talked about who is God, and you said he is unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever. He is immutable. He is solely sovereign. Um, and, and you use these names, and, and again, just kind of talked about it, went to Psalms. And I don't want to spend too much time of rehashing your sermon. You can go and listen to it if you haven't already. But what I love that you did through it is, and you already said this in the start of the podcast, but you said, bottom line, dear church, he is God and we are not. He is to be feared. He is to be awed. He is to be reverenced. Um, and right before your closing, you quoted Romans 11, verse 36, for, for from him and through him and to him all, are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
And I love that you used what Paul was saying here in Romans because it just it gets us back to the point of what, again, your whole point of the sermon was, was pointing us to even Job's life of that God is with us, <laughs> even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. Um, but at the, you know, the fact of it that he is God and we don't have to understand it. Right. And so which leads to my question of what does it do to us when we come to a place that God is God and we are not? And why is it so important to come to that place? Right. Uh, another good question. Um, well, I think there are really two things that happen. One, and the most obvious, is it changes us. We're not the same. And then it humbles us. Most likely it humbles us. And it doesn't always do that. Some, I think some can become bitter, anger, angry. I hope that doesn't happen for people. Uh, we, I think we have to guard against that in, in an intentional way. It's easy to get angry and bitter and mm. just mad about it and not get over it. I'm not saying it's easy to get over. Sometimes it just isn't, but I think it changes us. Mm. And ultimately, it humbled Job. And, but I don't I do not think he was ever the same. Now, we don't know because the narrative ends. But God gave him back more than he lost, which is amazing in and of itself. And he he lived another a number of more decades. So, you know, he in the long run, he he was blessed. Hmm. But sometimes in the long run for us, it doesn't end very well or it just ends. Um, but he reminds us, I think, of how frail we are and how much we are truly dependent upon him, and it invites us to grow in our faith. And we see the grace and the goodness and the faithfulness of God, and we see his greatness. So I think those are things that when we come through really hard, hard times, or we look at the world around us, like, how does that guy, how's he doing better than I'm doing? Mm-hmm. I'm following the law. I'm living according to the Bible. I go to church. I love my family. I'm dotting my I's, crossing my T's, blah, blah, blah. Just, yeah. you should keep doing that because that's the call of the disciple is to walk in righteousness. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be amply rewarded mm-hmm. in this life. Yeah. Now, I can argue from Scripture that I think God always blesses obedience, but not always in the way that we think that he might or should. That's good. You know, and I mean, look at Paul. The end of his life, he's in prison. All his friends are gone. They've all abandoned him. Hmm. He's begging Timothy, hey, come see me. My, my, my race is finished. I fought the good fight. I finished my course. He, he knew his life was over. It's all in Second Timothy. It's all chronicled. It's unbelievably great book. But he's in prison for his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And they're fixing to, you know, execute him, take his head off. And none of his friends want to be around him. They love him and care for him, but they're afraid of persecution. Yeah. So, you know, they had to make a decision. <laughs> they had to make a business decision or whatever. And for Paul, it ended, but Paul was like, man, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, I think is the verse. Mm-hmm. Um, man, what a perspective that is. And I don't think I'm quite there yet yeah. with that perspective. But 
Um, anyway, there's kind of random thoughts, but I think the ultimate answer to that is it changes us and, and humbles us. But I definitely think it changes us. Mm. And, we, and we all carry around scars from life. That's good. All of us do. That's a good point, too. And I know this, what I'm about to say, might be a little bit of conjecture, but I think it's true. Obviously, we don't see this in Job, but I'm sure Job still struggled with the hurt that was in his life from that, Of you know, even though he got all, most of it back, and I'm sure it's a different. But the thing is, too, is like when we go through this hurt, is that's what, for me at least, when I think about we both have friends going through things currently that are unimaginable. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine going through some of the things that, you know, are going through in the life of the church and even just friends outside. And I'm, I'm saying all that to say it just is a humbling experience to know that the ones going through that and how faithful they are to God and allowing him to take the circumstances is even though on the outside they see that, you know, they're struggling, you know, having those questions of God, where are you in this yeah. moment? And through that, God is still faithful. Yes. Through those questions, God is still faithful. And the point of why I'm even saying this is that through it all, is that you are going to have a higher view of God because you've trusted God and sure failed in some of that trust, but in the long run, you've seen God work through it all. Paul was there as as a great example of that was Paul. And so I I think it's just a great encouragement to me is that even when we fail (laughs) having that trust in God, he's going to continue to prove to us not that he has to, right. that he is God and that he deserves to be worshipped. Yeah, and he's he's worthy of our trust even when we don't maybe, quote-unquote, agree with the outcome or the process of getting us to the outcome. Right. That's why, you know, living the Christian life, it, it ain't easy. Oh. It's, it's a, it requires a commitment. Right. Yeah. Well. It's, it's a... It's a great uh, book to power through. I'd, you know, if somebody said, well, what part of Job should we read? The first and the last. I'd skip some of the conversations <laughs> with the friends. They disappoint me. They just, on the one minute, I'm like cheering them on because I'm like, these are the greatest friends. They just sit with Job for seven days and say nothing. They just they do what great friends do. I'm just here for you, man. And then they open their mouths yeah. and and expose themselves they're the worst friends ever let that be a lesson (laughs) yeah i'd be like i gotta get new friends and job's like even want god to deal with them you know he's man i got the worst friends (laughs) (laughs) that's good well what are some final thoughts as we close today well uh just you know i guess the final thoughts is how much god is worthy of trusting him and when when the wicked seem to be having the moment trusting God and taking him at his word and not be envious or jealous or even mad at the prosperity of the wicked and when we see things happen in people's lives that we just think you know why them I mean why does that guy get cancer How's it that some of these, how's it that some of these like rock stars that everybody knows they're godless, and they're living to eighty plus and still marching around? You know, you see, you think these are injustices, but 
in God's economy, it's just his ways of thinking are so different and lofty and above our. And I point this out in the message that you know his ways are mysterious and they're above our ways. He's too wonderful even to understand. And so it comes back to that trust thing again. Like, yeah, I don't like that. I can't believe this guy's getting away with that. And I don't understand why that person is so sick or it doesn't make sense in my thinking. You know, just to, okay, God, I, I'm not you and I don't understand what you're doing and you're weaving a tapestry that I don't have any access to. And he's not consulting me. <laughs> so... Okay, Lord, I just, again, here I am with all my frailty choosing to trust you. Help me. How many times I pray, help me? Help me. Too many to count for me. <laughs> it's like, help me. It's all the time. So help me, Lord. Good. And he does. So, yeah, thanks for asking. Amen. Yep. Well, first of all, before we get to the That Stupid segment, this yes. is a PSA public service announcement. Um, if any of our listeners have access to the NFL Sunday ticket, would you mind if Cody and, and myself showed up at your house and watched the game of our choice? Ooh. And we'd appreciate the provision of snacks as well, but that's not as necessary. Chips as and the, queso for me. Chips and queso would be really great. Yeah. Uh, we were just putting that out there because uh, we want to see the games of our favorite teams. And none of us want to splurge on the cost of an NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah, so why not share the wealth? Huh? Yeah, right. you know, why not share it with your, yeah. you know, local staff? There you go. Anyway, uh, we'd really appreciate that if you, if you could help us out. This awesome. one you can email C Kitchen. Yeah, C Kitchen. At Fieldstreet.com. Yeah, please, and do that, you know, sooner the better because <laughs> the NFL season kicks off Thursday night, which I can, I can watch that game, but Sunday – Got to make sure I can watch my That's favorite right. teams. Which is exciting because that means we'll have that much more of that stupid. Uh, oh, yeah, the NFL contact. kicking off. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, what do we leave out that's <laughs> stupid in the NFL? Well, now for our That Stupid segment where we tell you what's stupid. So, John. So, uh, I think all of us have been hit with the, the tipping yes. phenomenon. You know, you go and, like, I ordered a pizza Saturday for dinner. Yes. I, I cooked for Beth. <laughs> and went to pick up the pizza and and before I could put the credit card in into the device to pay for the pizza it asked me for a tip first and I'm like I came here <laughs> I I picked it up I'm paying for it and the guy that greeted me uh you know there's no smile no mm. hey thank you for buying pizza here when you have other options in town I'm like really what am I I just think all the tipping is getting out of control. Uh, Stupid. Some service industries, man, tip away. They earn it. Yeah. And the hardworking server at the restaurant who does a great job, tip them and tip them well. Absolutely. We're Christians. We should tip generously. But for Pete's sake, everybody wants a tip. Yep. I mean, I, I'd like to sometimes put a tip jar on your way out of the service. <laughs> 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 that was a great service. Tip there we go. Hey, nice job. <laughs> Here's a buck. What's crazy about it is they have the options of 5%, 10%, 15%, 20%, 20% like, 30%. I'm not tipping more than I tithe. 
<laughs> it is pretty stupid. <laughs> and it's at more places that don't need it. It's everywhere. Like, I think the other day, I don't want to make this up, but I think the other day when uh, Allison and I, like, went to, I don't know where we went, like, golfing or something. <laughs> Why am I tipping? I'm playing golf. Why am I tipping you? I, I know. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's out of control. You go get your car washed, and they want a tip. I'm like, you're not doing anything. <laughs> the machine's doing you're it. You're putting my credit card in the machine. <laughs> really? I don't know. I think everybody's just kind of worn out with tipping, but maybe it's just a sign of the times. You know, everybody's yeah. struggling financially, and inflation's killing all of us. And yeah. I mean, you're eating Lunchables for lunch. Today. That's right. Because you're eating Keegan's food. I can't. Safe. Yeah, who knows what Keegan will eat, but <laughs> we won't worry about that. Poor kid. <laughs> Well, guys, as always, so thankful that you listen to us every week. And um, as always, as we close, we say, remember, make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Have a great week. Yep. Thank you all for listening. And be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.